Hello and welcome to another edition of the CBB Super Show. I'm your host, Walter Bordeaux, a.k.a. Dub Deuce to 85. Flying solo on today's podcast, our uh, co-pilot and, and my partner in crime, Pete, has got a lot of stuff going on. So he'll be back tomorrow on the stream. Um, you know, he works very hard in all the sports, so we got to give him a day off here, here uh, once in a while. We are going to be running podcasts pretty much all the way up until the tournament. Um, you know, every single day that we're not streaming, we do stream on Saturdays and Mondays, so there will be no podcast then. But uh, this is about the time where the CBB grind really, you know, steps up and, and gets going. We do have the NBA All-Star break in front of us. Um, so a lot of casual slash uh, NBA grinders will be coming over. Um, you know, make sure to check that head-to-head lobby. Don't be afraid to post head-to-heads as people will definitely grab your games. That's something that I would highly recommend um, that you start doing if you're not already. Contests also should be, you know, getting a little bit bigger here as well. We do have a two-game early slate that's happening here in roughly under an hour. Posted my thoughts in the Discord there. Article for the main slate uh, should be popping up pretty soon as well. It's just a five-gamer on DraftKings, so I'm going to get my thoughts there. Um, if you guys have questions throughout, obviously in the YFC general room is where you do want to post those, um, and I'll get those answered here live on air. All right, first game I want to talk about <clears> – <throat> Boston College versus Miami. Ken Palm has it 72-71 in favor of Miami. They're 196 tempo ranking. Boston College 48th. Um, both teams extremely shorthanded. Lower level ACC, you know, competition here. You're definitely going to want to get pretty heavy exposure to this game. Stefan Mitchell is questionable. He missed last game. He's got something going on. Um, they're already shorthanded due to Rich Kelly and Winston Tabs, you know, choosing to transfer. So we know Tabs, he's off to ECU. Um, Kelly's grad transferring out somewhere else. So they're they're very, very shorthanded. Uh, C.J. Felder did return last game. He played only about 20 minutes, pretty ineffective. To be expected, they played Florida State, very tough opponent. Miami's nowhere near the level, <clears throat> excuse me, of Florida State. So I do expect Felder to be a much better play today. Um, he is 6'9". I would have, you know, definitely liked him to be a little cheaper. Um, so we're probably going to be looking elsewhere, but he makes sense as a, as a GPP type of guy. He, very, he does have a lot of solid rates, 20.7% defensive rebounding rate, 7.5% block rate, which is top 60 in the country. Uh, draws almost four fouls per 40. Has one of the highest, second highest free throw rate on the team behind Stefan Mitchell. Um, so he's really a really good player. He's going to take over this team in a front court here in the next you know, season or two with Stefan Mitchell likely moving on. Uh, Value-wise, there's a lot to like. If they continue to be shorthanded and Mitchell misses, I would expect to see Frederick Scott, who's only 3'6". You know, he played 20 minutes in back-to-back games. He should continue to be in play. Um, also, they did get returning uh, transfer James Karnick. He played last game. He's only 3'5". So you've got two guys right there. I'm, I'm probably not going to run both, although it's definitely viable. Um, Karnick played 21 minutes first game back, you know, in a little bit there. Um, I would probably lean Scott myself. I feel like Scott's a little more offensively gifted um, from where he came from. Uh, he was on uh, Ryder last year, and he was actually a pretty dynamic player for them, whereas Karnick is more of a, you know, a grittier uh, physical player that came from Lehigh. Scott does have more significant rates. Uh, he has a 25.8% usage rate, which would be second on the team behind Winston Tabs. Now that Tabs is gone, it's actually number one, believe it or not. Uh, 23% shot rate. He has a 19.9% defensive rebounding rate. Uh, steal rate almost 3%. He draws 5.5 fouls per 40, which is huge. Uh, but he also gets called for 5.2 fouls per 40. But now that he's getting semi-significant minutes, you know, 20-25 at 3-6, I think definitely the play over a guy like Karnick, who 
as I mentioned, his rates are a little less desirable. He's around 20% on usage, but his offensive rebounding rate is better than Frederick at 12.8%. Um, does have a block rate of 3.6%, draws about 3.1 fouls per 40, gets calls for 4.3 fouls per 40. So, uh, you know, kind of six or a half dozen the other. I do think Scott's the better play, but you could, you could realistically get away with playing Karnick if you prefer that route, if you needed the extra 100 for whatever reason, or run both. I think my favorite Boston College play overall today is Jay Heath. Uh, he does have a 26.7% shot rate, draws almost three fouls per 40, and, and he looked really good in that Florida State game. Um, it seemed like, you know, everybody on BC pretty much struggled with Florida State, but he got loose. Uh, he shot 16 times, 14 of which were threes, hit eight. So he's shooting, you know, the game of his life, obviously, had 36 and a half fantasy points, 28 real points. Peripheral stats really aren't going to be with him too often, but... With all these guys out for BC and they need to score, I, I look for him to take a lot of shots again. Uh, just four games ago against Wake Forest, he took 22. Game before that against NC State, 15. He's been well over double digits in all his, his shots. So um, he really hasn't been a huge three-point shooter uh, throughout the season, but definitely recently he's taking a huge number of those. And we know on draft teams he gets a bonus. So 6-1 is a fair price for Heath. I think he's probably the best play there. 300 less you get Mal, Guy Ashton Langford. Uh, you know, his last four games, he's played over 20 minutes, looked pretty solid. And three of those four, he's been over 19 fantasy points. So at 5'8", he's viable. And then DeMar Lankford at 4'5". Um, his price dropped, you know, a couple hundred here. He was at 5K just like, what, a month ago or so, um, coming off a 30 fantasy point game just on uh, the end of February against Notre Dame. Did play 32 minutes against Florida State. You know, he didn't have a very good game. Again, Florida State is a different animal than Miami. So I like him to bounce back to at 4'5". Um, and it's starting to sound a lot like a Boston College stack, and that that very well may be the case just because they're so cheap. You know, there's our guy Moses on this slate, Charles Basie, um, Grant Sherfield, David Roddy. There's a lot of, like, high-powered fantasy options in the slate, and if we're going to fit one or two of those, we're going to have to play some of these, you know, value guys that maybe have some risk. But thank God these two are facing each other, Boston College and Miami, because their ineptness is going to be our gain with how much fantasy points can potentially be scored here. Miami also, as I mentioned, pretty – um, you know, shorthanded overall. Chris Likes, Earl Timberlake, and Harlan Beverly all out for the season with injuries. Matt Cross transferred to Louisville. Wardenburg was out early in the year. Miller Jr. out. Um, very, very shorthanded. So, uh, you know, Wong obviously at 8-4. You know, he's probably more of a, uh, you know, some, not, a, not a necessity, but if you can fit him, it's a nice little, you know, thing to have. I don't think I'm going to be going that direction at 8-4. I have other plans with how I'm going to build my lineup, but I don't mind him if you want to roll him out. Same with Elijah Olin. I, um, you know, he's consistently putting up 20, 25 fantasy points, but at 6'7", it's, uh, it's kind of a tough ask. I think I'd rather go down and play a guy like Cameron McGusty, who's only 5'9", um, coming off a 22 fantasy point game against Virginia. He's been hovering around that 20, 22 mark. Um, definitely a guy that has, you know, 35 plus upside, especially against a team like Boston College that really can't, you know, defend all that well. Um, we could see McGusty have a pretty solid game. He does have an assist rate of over 18%, uh, steal rate of 2.5%. doesn't get called for fouls at all, so that's nice. Uh, he actually has one of the number one fouls called rates in the country, and it just doesn't get called for fouls, so watch him foul out today. does draw about three, three and a half fouls per game, um, has a shot rate of 22.8%. I also like Anthony Walker, a little more expensive than I'd like, but uh, he's solid across the board with BC being so ailing, and if Stefan Mitchell is out, um, they're really going to be struggling inside defensively. So look for Walker to do some damage. 
does have a shot rate over 21%, defensive rebounding rate of 15.6%, and a block rate of 3.5%. He's also drawing just under four fouls per 40. So a lot to like there for Anthony Walker. Um, I think him and Mugusti are your two best Miami guys, 6'2 and 5'9. And then Nizair Brooks at 5K is interesting. Um, he's played 30-plus minutes uh, in four straight games, five of his last six, but he's just not doing a whole lot. Um, granted they played Florida state, Clemson, Virginia, you know, some tougher teams against your Georgia tech. Who's a lot softer. He did have 22 and a half, but now that he's five K you'd like to see, you know, a little bit more consistency there with him. So I definitely prefer Mugusty and Walker. If you can afford that <sighs> next game, Georgia tech versus wake forest. Ken Palm has it 74, 64 in favor of the yellow jackets. They're two seventeenth temple ranking wake forest, two forty sixth. Uh, the question I've already been asked in very, you know, my Discord DM, I woke up to some and on Twitter, you know, is Moses Wright uh, a must play? He's up to 9-8 now. Um, you know, we've got David Roddy on the slate, Grant Shearfield, who's only 8K, which is a great price for him. Um, you know, we've got Charles Basie, who I'm, I've been a big Basie guy all year. Whenever he's on the slate, I've always recommended him at 9-3. But I don't know how we can fade Moses right when he's just dropping 50 and 60 bombs left and right. And he gets such an easy opponent yet again against Wake Forest. If he was playing somebody a little more difficult, um, you know, or Clemson or something like that, where I think, you know, the, the pace would be really slow and, and there'd be no real um, upside for him. Then, yeah, I'd probably advocate it. But uh, Wake Forest is a team, you know, their shots are getting blocked there and they're in the bottom of the ACC for getting their shot blocked. Uh, they're getting most. They're turning the ball over the most in the ACC. Um, they don't rebound well at all. They're one of the bottom-end teams when it comes to offensive rebounding and mid-tier when it comes to defensive rebounding. So all this adds up to Moses Wright yet again having a big game. And 9-8 is a tough price to pay. You guys might be scratching your head and say, well, you always fade Luca Garza at 9-8. You say it's a lot to, to pay. And this is maybe a controversial take, but uh, I, I don't know. Moses Wright's a better DFS play than Luca Garza, I, I think. Um, and I'll, and I'll take that to my grave if I have to, but I mean, just again, you saw last night, Garza had a nice game last night, but he didn't break the slate, which he typically doesn't main thing for that. And Garza could, if he was on a team like Georgia tech, then yeah, I think Garza would be having these type of games, but they're a little deeper. They play a different style. Georgia tech has no bench to speak of right now. They go like six, seven deep. And the, the two bench guys they use Parham, uh, you know, more, and, and that's pretty much it. They just don't have a deep bench. So Moses Wright ends up playing 39, 40 minutes a game, much like Jose Alvarado, even if he gets into foul trouble. So you get that, you know, you get those extra 10 minutes a game, almost eight, nine, 10 minutes. Um, you're looking at a guy with, with big upside here. Uh, Wake Forest defense is terrible. I mean, right, uh, 25% usage rate, 26% shot rate. The actual minutes percentage is 88% at his position, which is top 55 in the country. Um, he has the second highest offensive rating on the team. Uh, true shooting percentage just under 58%, which is top 300. Offensive rebounding rate of 11.2%. Defensive rebounding rate of 17.5%. Block rate of 5.5%. Steal rate of 2.5%. And he draws four fouls per 40. So, um, you know, you don't need me to harp on why Moses Wright is a good play. But just in case you're wondering, you know, why I'd play him at 9-8 and not Garza, those are the reasons why. Uh, Jose Alvarado, you know, he actually fought through and made value, which, which was nice. Um, it just was amazing that he, in his first half, he had taken two shots. And like four or five minutes into the second half, he still hadn't taken a shot. So he really needs to turn the corner. He ended up shooting 10 times against Duke, eight of those in the second half. He only shot 30%. But you look at his last few games, he's only taken four to eight shots. And you really would expect to see him play a lot better today, um, in my mind. Guys playing, you know, big time minutes. Uh, the entire game, so he's he's just got to have to do more 
Um, and the fact that he has a high steal rate and derives a lot of his value from steals, kind of like our man, Posh Alexander, he does have a four and a half percent steal rate talking about Alvarado top 18 in the country. You heard me mention at the beginning of this game that Wake Forest turns the ball over a lot, especially on the steal side. So look for Alvarado to, you know, potentially get three, four or five steals. Um, he's only seven two. great price for him. If you can make sure to fit him, you know, with right, there's some other valuable options here that I like, of course, but I think I'd be prioritizing those two. And then making guys like Michael Debo, who at 8-2 is a little spendy. Jordan Usher at 6K, maybe a little spendy. Um, you know, more your GPP guys. Clint Moore at 4-3 is definitely viable if you want to go on the cheaper side. He just played 39 minutes against Duke in the overtime. Before that, he had back-to-back games of over 30 minutes. Um, so he's definitely viable. Off the bench, they have Parham and, and Sturdivant and Howard, who play very little minutes. So that's why Moore starting to see, you know, a lot more minutes. Um, but there's lots to like for this Georgia Tech team, definitely. Wake Forest, uh, Ian DeBose came in from Houston Baptist, kind of set the world on fire, just having 30s and 40s. Um, last couple games, he's just been really ineffective. Uh, the minutes are down. You see he only played 21 against Pittsburgh, 16 against Virginia Tech. Um, he had an early foul trouble against Virginia Tech, but then he just didn't really play in the second half. And like I said, he's just been ineffective. So I wouldn't want to use him here, even though that price might look appealing. If I was going to use somebody from Wake Forest and from, you know, reading our content and listening to us talk about Georgia Tech before, you guys know that big men have had, or rebounders, um, have had good games against Georgia Tech. We just saw Mark Williams have a, a massive 40-plus you know, game against them, double-double. Um, so the bigs on that side, or rebounders, you know, guys like Ishmael Massoud, and these aren't, these aren't sexy options, so, you know, bear with me here. Uh, Odi Algama and Isaiah Mucius. Um, those would be the three guys that you would perhaps want to look at. Um, and all three do different things. They're not your traditional big men, per se. Um, you know, Masood's only 6'8". Aoyama is only 6'9". Nusha's 6'8". So they're a bit undersized, um, which means another plus for why you want to pay for, for Moses Wright. Nusha's does have a 7.5% offensive rebounding rate. Ogiyama has a 12.5% offensive rebounding rate, a combined rate of almost 30%. Um, so, you know, you got some guys here that are going to collect rebounds on Georgia Tech, definitely. And then on Masood, he's more of the shooter of the group has a 26 and a half percent shot rate, 23.6% usage rate shoots about 36% from long range. Um, so, you know, maybe that hurts, right. If you can pull him out a little bit, same with Mucius, he's shooting 38% from long range on 65 attempts, Masood 90 attempts. Um, so any of those guys are definitely viable on this slate again, for value. If you don't want to be stacking up Boston college, uh, Mucius four, six, Ogiyama four, four, Masood four, two. I certainly wouldn't play more than one. If you're going to go that route, um, I think Mucius is probably the most cash viable. And then I would, I would prioritize them, Ogiyama, Masood, and then somebody like Jonah Antonio, if you're really desperate for value. But uh, yeah, Wake Forest is definitely on the lower end. Uh, next game here, UAB versus North Texas. We've had these guys on the slate a few times. We know North Texas, they play it slow and their defense definitely makes life difficult for the opposing team. This is not going to be a game we want to target very heavily. Um, even in GPPs, I don't see a ton of upside. Ken Palm has it 66-59 in favor of North Texas. They're 339 tempo ranking, UAB, UAB 206. UAB's got some nice prices. You know, Tavin Loven at 5-3, Tyreek Scott Grayson 5-1, Michael Ertl's in the mid-5Ks. But um, these guys just, they don't have the, because they play slow in the way that they play in general, they just don't have the rates um, slash ability to really make these prices count. Um, I, I like Tavin Loven the most. But as we saw a couple, like what, a week or two ago when he was on the slate, kind of let us down. Um, he had a really quick first half where he had like 18, and then he ended up with 20, uh, which was, you know, it's like, wow, how could you do nothing in the second half? So 
Um, I don't really like anybody on the UAB side, especially against North Texas, who has a good defensive squad. On North Texas side, I'm not looking at James Reese at 7-1 or even JV on Hamlet. The ship's kind of sailed on Hamlet for me a month or two ago. I know some guys you know, were trying him on the last slate at only 6-1, and he let him down. But then the very next game, he goes for 30. Um, he's 6-8. He's you know, the top scorer on the team, their best ball handler, but he just disappears far too much for my liking. I instead would be looking at Zachary Simmons or Thomas Bell. 5-9 and 5-7. I really like Thomas Bell. He had against Marshall back-to-back 30-plus fantasy point games. Big-time steals, uh, blocks, rebounds, kind of contributes in all categories. You guys know how I feel about those five, you know, cat contributors. So he's a guy to definitely look at. He probably won't have much ownership because he's kind of in that weird price range where people that are paying up and stuffing, you know, the star scrub build aren't really going to have him. So keep that in mind if you're, you're planning to maybe go on a balance build. He would make a ton of sense in that regard. Uh, he does have a block rate of over 4.6%, steal rate of 2%. Um, he's, the, he's got a 67% field goal uh, percentage, which is top 40 in the country. Offensive rebounding rate of 8.5%, 18% defensive rebounding rate. So a lot of good things about Bell here. And then Simmons, same thing, great rebounder, 9.1% uh, offensive rebounding rate and almost 30% combined rate. And he's got the actual uh, effective field goal percentage, top 11 in the country at 67.1. So those are the two guys that, that would do the most damage here to the UAB squad. They do have Clemson transfer Dre Jemison kind of as their rim protector, but he's a bit of a fouler. So if they can get him into some foul trouble, I think those two guys could, you know, do some damage. But again, this is probably the least appealing game of the five. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, talk too much about it or, or recommend that, you know, you avoid some of these other ones. Um, Old Dominion versus Western Kentucky. This is where the slate kind of you can diverge a little bit away from, you know, if you want to fade Moses. I don't know. I'm worried. I'm, I think Moses might not be chalk, which even makes me even more excited, um, you know, because he has 9-8 and there's these other options. I kind of already been talking to some people this morning that aren't playing him and they gave me that reason, you know, well, he got Basie for a little cheaper or, um, you know, Roddy. So that makes me, you know, feel like, well, if we get Moses at, you know, 25, 30% again on a small slate, we could be in for another big night with him. So uh, Charles Basie is the guy here. Ken Palm has a 73-65 in favor of WKU. They're 188 tempo ranking. Old Dominion 211. Josh Anderson and Luke Frampton both questionable to play tonight. They missed the last game. If they're ruled out, you can, you know, you guys may remember when I was hyping up David and McKnight at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, he hasn't really been able to get so many minutes, uh, even though he showed that upside early. But recently, because of these injuries, he's been getting more playing time, really showing, you know, what he's capable of. And he's looked really, really good. Uh, he's only 4-4, should get the start. You see he's played, you know, over 25 minutes in three of his last four, um, over 23 fantasy points in three of his last four. Old Dominion does have a slower tempo. Their defense is, is adequate, but it's not to the point where I would be scared to use them. So I'll, as long as those two guys are out, Frampton and Anderson, hell, even Anderson, um, I'd be, you know, probably rolling David McKnight over any of the Wake Forest values. Um, and I'd have him second or third behind a guy like Frederick uh, Scott from BC as our, our top value option. Charles Basie's there at 9-3. If you do want to roll him, give you guys the breakdown on him because he is a, he's a stud, obviously. Um, guy that's really hard to defend uh 25.7 usage rate uh, one of the second highest offensive rating on the team which is actually top 160 right behind luke frampton who's just a three-point shooter 27.7 percent shot rate his block rate is ninth best in the country at 12 and a half percent he has a defensive rebounding rate of 32 percent which is unfathomably high fourth best in the country offensive rebounding rate of 13 and a half percent which is top 40 
He's drawing four and a half fouls per 40. Um, he's a 73% free throw shooter, which, you know, you typically six eleven guys, you know, the big men kind of struggle at the line historically. So you, he's not a guy that you can hack a shack on. Um, and he's shooting almost 70% from the field on non three pointers. So that means he gets a lot of bunnies, a lot of dunks, a lot of easy looks. Um, so yeah, there's merit to running him. I mean, I haven't even tried to build a lineup yet. Um, if I could fit him in Moses, that would be the ultimate. There's certainly enough value here to make it work, but the mid range also has, you know, playable guys that I like. Somebody like Tavion Hollingsworth, for example, 25% shot rate, draws five fouls per 40. He's looked really good, um, especially recently with the injuries that they've had. Played 37 minutes in their last game, had 32 and a half fantasy points, 27 and two. He's a pretty solid rebounder for a guard, um, and he contributes in most categories other than blocks. Um, actually has an assist rate pushing almost 15% now, which is uh, up 2% from just beginning of the season. Um, has a plays 76.6% of the minutes on, on his position, which is the highest on the team. So he's going to be in the game most of the time. Uh, played that upper 30s if Josh Anderson is out. Um, you also have Carson Williams here, who's pretty much the cheapest he's been all season. He was a guy that was pushing 7K earlier this season. Um, typically plays big minutes. You see there in their last game on March 1st, he played 33 minutes. He's going to hover around that 25 to 30 minute mark. Um, so four or five is really too cheap for him. Two, two of his last four, he's been over 30 fantasy points. Um, so I think this is a little bit of a misprice here. I'm not sure why, why they did this, but uh, Carson is up there in the top five for value, most certainly. Um, and a guy that you can run in cash, you know, pretty confidently to make things work out. Um, especially if you think, you know, Basie's going to, you know, if you're predicting him to be in foul trouble or be limited or maybe Odeo, uh, you know, sells out to defend him, a guy like Carson Williams could, you know, certainly do some damage. ODU side is uh, not that advertising. Kalu as a big is the only one that really projects all that well. But you see he's, you know, got foul issues. His minutes typically are under 25, which is obviously a problem. Um, the price is nice, but he does have a five fouls called per 40 rate. He draws 4.1 fouls. He does have a 27% defensive rebounding rate, so he's gonna, which is 24th in the country. So he's going to be banging on the glass, uh, you know, with Basie. He has an 8% block rate, 3.1% steal rate, and a 24.2% usage rate. So he is the most playable Old Dominion guy there if you're going for the balance build and, and the one that is going to have to, you know, be in charge of, of defending Basie. But if he gets into that early foul trouble, like I think he will, you know, he'll end up being pretty ineffective and it won't matter anyways, all those fancy rates. They do have eternal value option as Xavier Green on their team. His price really never changes from this 4.7 to 4.8. Uh, he's a guy that's typically going to give you about 20 fantasy points, though. WKU's defense is pretty fantasy friendly overall. You know, even with a guy like Basie, um, we've seen them give up some big points. We saw them play Houston most recently. Obviously, Houston's on another level than Old Dominion. Um, but I think there's room here for the ODU guys to, to score some points. And Xavier Green at 4.7 playing 38 minutes a game pretty much. Um, is a pretty solid value that's probably going to go overlooked, um, but makes sense as a leverage play. <clears throat> you also have A.J. Oliver, the Clemson transport at 5K. He's a little more high variance. Um, two of his last four, he's been – actually, three of his last four, he's been over 19. Um, another guy that's playing, you know, somewhat bigger minutes. Molly Curry's their their top usage guy, 7'4", but he disappears far too much for my liking. I'm going to leave him on the sidelines. And in the last game here, we have – Colorado State versus Nevada, the hammer. This one should be extremely fantasy-friendly. We've had Nevada on the slate before. We know how they play. You know, they're they're pretty fast-paced overall. They give up a lot of fantasy points, especially down low. We saw Justin Bean and Nemes Queda recently destroy them underneath. Uh, so this could be a big David Roddy game. 
Uh, Ken Palm has a 73-71 in favor of Colorado State. It's been hot lately. They're 96 in Temple, ranking Nevada 104. Um, so, yeah, let's start with, with David Roddy. Is there – I think I like uh, – as far as the pay-up guys, I think I rank him second behind Moses and slightly ahead of Basie. Um, you know, you, they're all really close in price, you know, within 300. Roddy has been, been crushing it, though. He's turning it on right at the right time. Right now, Colorado State is amongst the last four teams in on the bubble. <clears throat> He's had back-to-back 40-plus fantasy point games, <clears throat> five, what, six, seven, eight, eight straight of 30-plus. So you're, you're getting that 4X at this price, an extremely safe option, whereas Basie, you know, maybe, maybe he misses that mark at a less consistent, you know, he's less consistent or he's got a tougher matchup, which he definitely does. <clears throat> Roddy is, is doing some big things here. 25.5% usage rate, a 25% shot rate. His defensive rebounding rate's top 42 25.4%. I mean, these are huge numbers. Uh, 9.5% offensive rebounding rate. His assist rate's just under 20%, which is better than a lot of guards out there. 2.8% uh, block rate. Draws 5.3 fouls per 40, so he's getting himself to the line a lot. You guys know I love the, the guys that manufacture these, um, you know, these free throws and easy points. 62% shooter from inside the arc. 75% shooter at the line. He's right around 6'5", but he's 250, so he's a load. You know, he, the dude can do some serious damage. So he doesn't have the height that these Nevada centers do, um, or like Queda did, but he's physical enough to really do some damage. Um, so I definitely like him. I think he's the second best play in that upper tier range. <clears throat> we do have a posh play of the night on the slate. You may remember a, a long while back that when Colorado State was on the slate, I don't even know. I think it was in December. It was a long time. I'd have to double check. But uh, Isaiah Stevens is the posh play of the night by far. He's 7'7", seven, seven, so he's in that price point that people are going to say, nah, and they're going to ignore it. Guy legit contributes in all categories, big-time assist rate. <clears throat> he's actually got the second-highest uh, usage rate at 25%, but just a tick under Roddy, 22.8% shot rate, but he has a 33.6% assist rate, which is up there with the McKinley Wrights of the world, uh, top 40. He's drawing 4.5 fouls per 40. Uh, big time free throw rate. He's an 87% shooter at the line. He, he gets a lot, especially if this game remains close towards the end. He's a guy that's going to get a ton of points at the line late because if they're going to be fouled, they're going to make sure the ball's in Stevens' hands. And he's shooting 42% from long range on 81 attempts, playing 87% of the minutes, which is top 80 in the country. So the guy barely leaves the game, um, has a true shooting percentage just under 60%, which is top 200. So there's a lot to like about him. Will be low owned. 7-7 is a tougher price to, to get in there, especially when you have Grant Shearfield for only 300 more, which conventional wisdom says play Shearfield over Stevens. But, you know me, I don't like to be uh, rolling with the crowd if I see a play that I really like. So I'm going to try to get Stevens in. I'll probably try to get Shearfield too, but Stevens is a posh play. And you guys know that posh play in the, the night has done some serious damage and made us some serious bread this, this year. Um, the only other plays really on Colorado State that I like Kendall Moore at 5'7". Thistlewood's too high at 7'6", even though he kind of fits the mold as solid rebounder that, you know, would do some damage against Nevada. Uh, he's 6'6". He's not your conventional center, though. Um, and then, yeah, it's basically just Kendall Moore. Uh, if you're going to play somebody on this Colorado State, I think it's just you up to Roddy or you play Stevens. Those guys are, they dominate so much of the usage for this team and are, are rock-solid competitors. Nevada starts with Grant Shearfield at 8K. He's been over 9K a lot on these slates. He had, a for him, a couple down games. He plays basically the whole game, 86.5% of the minutes at his position, top 73. He's got a 39.7% assist rate, which is top eight in the country. Two and a half steals, uh, sorry, 2.5% steal rate. He draws 5.3 fouls per 40. 
He's an 88% free throw shooter, top 50 in the country, 37% three-point shooter on 106 attempts. Uh, he has a shot rate of 28.2% and a usage rate of 28.7%, which is top 90. Um, so look for him to bounce back a little bit here, especially at this 8K price. I would imagine he's going to be very popular. Um, the guy has legit, you know, 50-point upside, and we've seen that. He has been in the mid-20s a lot, though, and that's simply because there are other options on this team, uh, especially with Desmond Cambridge, the Ivy League transfer, who I actually like a, a lot still at the 6-9 price. Uh, Cambridge actually has the top shot rate on the team at 31.8%, top 38 in the country. Usage rate of 25.9%. He's taken 166 triples, shooting around 35%. Uh, draws 3.3 fouls per 40. Has an assist rate just a tick under 18%, so he does contribute there. But he's he's mainly the shooter, and he does play 77.8% of the minutes at his position. Um, and you look at him, you know, he's been right around mid-20s to upper 30s pretty much every single game. Um, you know, a couple busts in there, but he's mainly pretty consistent, almost more than Sheerfield. So, you know, for 1100 less, I kind of like going the Cambridge route instead, even though I am admitting and sitting here telling you that, yeah, Sheerfield is, is going to do some damage at the 8K price. But uh, uh, Cambridge is just as good for that solid discount, especially if you need it. Um, underneath, it's kind of, you know, a, a timeshare between KJ Himes, uh, seven footer at 4K, and Warren Washington, 5'5. Both guys are foul risks, but they are going to need to step in and, and shut down David Roddy. I don't know that they're going to have the chops to do it. Like I said, we just saw Kata and, and Justin Bean really give it to them recently. Um, and it's kind of been the case all season long with them. They've, they've just not been good down there or in general. So there's definitely a lot to like in this game as a hammer, too. I think you want to get yourself, you know, at least two, maybe three players from this game. I think two definitely. Three might be a little overkill, especially if we're going to go heavy on the BC, Miami, Georgia Tech side of things. Um, but it, definitely a lot to like here in terms of, of viable options. But, you know, kind of keep in mind, we've had some really prime matchups for guys similar to Sheerfield or Cambridge, you know, Reeves last night, who didn't really come through for us like we thought they would. Um, so there still is a lot of high variance with, with COVID ball going around. But definitely a game to target. I think I'm going to go on the Isaiah Stevens side just because I like that leverage. Um, let's pull up some prize picks. <clears throat> so my favorite prize picks, I'm going Jay Heath over 24 fantasy points. Um, again, this, you know, with all the injuries to Boston College, you should definitely expect him to be um, putting up a lot of shots. And he won't offer a ton of assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, that kind of thing. But I think he'll score enough to really get there. Kind of a mini Cam Thomas there. Nowhere near his level, but, you know, same idea. And then Grant Sherfield, who I think is going to have a bounce back night. His uh, prize picks on single points is only 17. I think he hits the over on that. 17 um, is pretty low for him. Look for him to hit, you know, 20, 22 real points tonight. Um, as far as other ones, if you're looking to do like a bigger parlay with the flex, I think, you know, keep riding Moses right. Uh, he's been over 50 fantasy points three of his last four. It's 38.2. I think you can hit the over there and feel pretty confident in that. Um and then if he plays, Bones Highland versus Dayton is 32, I think, the over on that. Otherwise, you can go Jalen Crutcher on the other side uh, for Dayton at 28.2. Highland and Vince Williams have been banged up for VCU, um, so that's why I say if he plays. And then we have a promo. If you guys are not members already, March Madness promo going on, 50% off. It's just $25 for the month. Um, gives you all sports from esports to MLB, KBO, if that happens. There's there's Aussie football back again. I saw that the, there was some AFL stuff in the lobby just recently. That's back. All the March Madness coverage you can handle. 
Uh, we're going to be doing some some bracket stuff, uh, competition amongst subs, and a head-to-head, you know, our own little March Mania type of thing. Um, we're going to do a live bracket reveal show. That's still in the works for a stream. Much, much more. Optimizer also in the works. Great community. Everybody is involved. We've got guys who have subbed to us a long time that are now helping with, with podcasts themselves. So it's a really great community. I hope that you guys will uh, consider joining. If you're already a member, thank you. You guys know how it is. Very fun. Um, we will be back tomorrow morning with the live stream um, on Twitch. So make sure you're there, yourfielderschoice.com. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything. So appreciate everybody who live listened. The on-demand link, if you weren't here from the beginning, will be posted up shortly along with the article. I'll be in the premium college room updating starters. Uh, we still have some time for this early slate. So if you guys have questions, I'll answer those as well. My name is Walter, a.k.a. Dub Deuces 85 Appreciate all the support. Good luck, and let's win some money tonight. See you.